content warning. This episode contains discussions of sexual assault. Listener discretion is advised. Fills with dread, probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood. Well, thank you for joining us for another Freaky Friday. It's Friday, May 19th, and it doesn't seem like it, but it's summer is here. Oh, it's I was at a park for several hours today. Summer <laughs> is here. Yes. I'm sure it did seem like it to you <laughs> at the park. It is here. I don't when is the official day of summer? Isn't it summer solstice is like the June twenty something around oh. there? Depends, I think. Well when you live moon. in the south. It kind of starts back in like February is when yeah. summer starts. So a little, we've been in it for a while. You'll feel it on the breeze. So <laughs> it's like a little bit of warmth and you're like, oh, that's nice. And then all of a sudden it's too much. Yeah. It's like when pumpkins start in the fall and it's just like, they all just come at you. like slices. Yeah, I was good last month and this month I'm not good. Things have taken a turn. It's moist. It's pretty damp. Good thing is we only have three four more months of way hotter weather and then it'll be really nice so that's cool <laughs> we just have to suffer for four months here's an idea and i'm going to pr- propose it to you right now what do you say in a couple weeks you and i go to san francisco i hear that's where you go if you <laughs> want to wear flowers in your hair <laughs> or if you're a fan of rice aroni <laughs> Are uh, the 49ers um, bridges? This is why I love you and I love that we're best friends because I sometimes will think I know what you're going to say and then it's just <laughs> completely off the wall. I have no idea. <laughs> it just I didn't know what up. I was going to say when I started that <laughs> sentence and then it just started That's happening. <laughs> That's awesome. That's the best way to start a sentence. Well, in addition to all those wonderful things, if you also love the moon and us, <laughs> then on June 7th, you can come and see us perform live at Cobb's Comedy in San Francisco. And I also checked where this club is, and it is walking distance to my favorite gluten-free treats probably oh. in the world. Mariposa Bakery has a spot at Fisherman's Wharf in San Francisco. Nice. I have had their shit mailed to me during the pandemic. I missed their... <laughs> Their pastry so much, I ordered it to be shipped. Nice. It's so good. So I well, cannot I wait till wait. we get to San Francisco. And then after that, we can pop on down to LA on the 9th, on June 9th. What do you think? I think we should. We're going to take a road trip. We're oh, like, we're do driving. we fly? Do we drive? Is it going to take us over eight hours? It is. But we yeah. think it's going to be fun. And we're going to have adventures and side quests is why we decided that we're <laughs> driving instead of flying because we do have a day off in between shows. So we're going to spend it in the car. If y'all know what to do in Cali between San Francisco and L.A., drop us some suggestions <laughs> at our email. I think there's a lot to do. There's like <laughs> if you have any, 1, like, cities sees. we're going to go through. <laughs> I mean, like, must stop. Like, you okay. got to stop and see this. Um, that's what I'm trying to get. Like, pull the car over. I don't care if it's going to take you an extra hour. Oh, yeah. That's the kind of shit I'm trying to yeah, get dropped yeah, yeah. in that inbox. Well, this is the so. the same trek that Tommy and I took 
on our honeymoon. So it's kind Did of you like start- we're going on a first on a second honeymoon, but you're here now. <laughs> Which is, I get to come with it you. It seems like that's right. That's how this should have gone. Um, is it appropriate that I come on your second honeymoon with you? Because I came to your anniversary <laughs> trip in the fall, too. And was like, I'll just like get the room next door. And you guys were like, yeah, cool. Do that. <laughs> no, we were totally fine. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You were like, we should do that. Oh, Tommy, do you also want to go? <laughs> it's kind of more than like, but... uh, you mean on my own anniversary trip? Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll go. That's fine. Sure. Yeah. I'm invited. Well, he's definitely invited to this trip. And our No Cal SoCal feud is ongoing. And <laughs> SoCal is still in the lead they no are. cal has brought it though we looked last time we we're like okay bump in no cal so thank you for showing up and showing out san francisco yes. i think you were gonna ask me was this the same drive oh is took? that the trek we that you went you went we went la to, to san francisco though reverse honeymoon yeah, reverse honeymoon yeah. the moony hun at we're the end of it, it we are unmarried <laughs> i and then i can remarry you because oh, i'm you ordained. Are. yes at the la show at the bourbon room? The bourbon room. Yes. We're going to, we're doing a vow renewal at the bourbon room. <laughs> <laughs> Where everybody has to drink bourbon. It's a rule. They make you. They make you yeah. take a shot of bourbon when you sit down. It places a lot. It's a, they're like, listen, you have to take two shots and it's a two drink minimum. It's not. We're kidding. You don't <laughs> have to shoot any true. bourbon. None of that's you can true. If you uh, want. All we have. I'm not going to stop you. And in fact, it might make the show funnier. I don't know. You tell me. But it's a great show. Bring your friends. We'll see you there. Sinistra.com slash live shows. We're going to go to California. Yeah, we're going to the gold rush. That was San Francisco, (laughs) wasn't it? Yes, it was. 49ers. (laughs) I remember as a kid, I was like 1949. And mom was like, no, 1849. (laughs) She's like, no, it was like a city by then. Okay, well, thanks. Yeah, Sorry, like I'm a eight. lot was going on. <laughs> that wasn't even like I'm, that long ago. I, I was mean, like I guess in San Francisco was. in 1949. They were wearing like overalls and like straw hats. Like, oh, there's gold in the hills. They might, uh, you know, I mean, people still pan for gold. So has the rush ever ended? That's the question no, I'm going to pose to you. I don't think it has, and that's why I assume that people in San Francisco, some of them at least, still wear the overalls and the straw hats and yell, there's gold in those mountains. And so, you get your little fashion. pans, and you go to the river, and you shake it out, see what shake you can catch. Well, I'll tell you what you can catch is some freaky stories today. <laughs> Ooh, yes. We've got four listener stories, and then we have some stories from our new friends over at National Park After Dark. We had a lovely conversation with those two ladies and man, what a what time. What a time. What a time. Cassie and Cassie and Danielle, uh, first of all, we're already big fans of their show. And uh, Danielle actually came to our Denver show because yes. that's where she lives. It was so nice to have her in the audience. And having them on the air was so much fun because we also went on their show. Shh, spoiler alert. Yeah. But we got, to, it's like, we always say it's just like a niche industry. It's awesome to talk to other people, but also talk to someone with the show that has this great bent of it's towards outdoorsiness. And out, and I am very into hiking now, even though I'm not really hiking, but I'm like, very, I keep watching all these national park shows yes. and I want to go to Yosemite and Yellowstone and all these mm-hmm. places. And they actually do go to those places, and which is very cool. They're like going on all of these trips. She, They were like, yeah, we got Patagonia and then Madagascar. I was like, what? This is, what are you talking about? It's incredible. This is incredible. It's incredible. And listeners can go. 
you can yeah. sign up on their Patreon to go with them. And then it's like a whole vacate. It's amazing. So go check them out. They were lovely to talk to and had very freaky stories. Yes, definitely stick around because uh, especially, I mean, both of them brought excellent stories and Danielle's story was a jaw dropper. And yes. I uh, was editing the video of that, which you can go on our YouTube and watch the video version of us chatting with them. And I, I, when her story started, I was like, oh, no, because mm-hmm. now I know how it ends. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah. So you'll enjoy it. And But in the meantime, our story connoisseur, have you, you brought a flight of stories I for have, us today? And these first two, I'm kind of proud of myself because I didn't realize what I had done until after I'd done it. But the first one. Is called Mother's Intuition. And then the second one is having to do with a father. So, you know, sometimes our subconscious is like, this is a thing. And then you look back, you're like, oh, pat on the back. Good job. (laughs) Well, you always say that Ella will be like, what's the theme of this party? I was like, I wonder where she gets that from because you love a theme. (laughs) You like cohesion and like a a cohesive design plan. So I love it. It's just natural. Thank you. Yes. We were talking about themes today. She loves the, what there's a part, there's a birthday party. What's the theme? What's the cake going to be? <laughs> what, what's their theme? Cause she wants then for the present to be on brand with the theme. So, she's so good. Yeah. You know, man, she's good. She's going to be an event planner one day. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get freaky. This first one is from T's mom and it is called mother's intuition. Love your show and Freaky Friday is my absolute favorite. I thought y'all might enjoy hearing about a time when mother's intuition may have saved my son's life. It's been several years since this happened, but it feels like yesterday. The hubs and I were visiting his family in rural Missouri with our almost three-year-old son and our baby daughter. The family lives on a working farm in a beautiful house that has been in the family for quite a long time. The house is on several acres and includes a stock pond, quite a ways from the house. It was fun and relaxing to be there. As you know, babies need regular naps, and frankly, so did I. The hubs and our son, we'll call him T, were in the basement where he had put T in a bed to nap while the hubs sat nearby and played video games. I went up to the third floor with the baby to take a nap. I have no idea how long I slept, but I woke up from a dead sleep, panicked. All I could think of was T and danger. I sat up and ran downstairs to where the hubs and T were. I asked my hubs where the boy was, and he commented that no one's moved since I was last there. But when I went to the bed, T wasn't there. Immediately, I realized there was a door to the outside and yelled to the hubs that he needed to get to the stock pond and see if T was out there. Hubs thought I was overreacting because we'd never even seen T open a door by himself. The door was closed and the pond wasn't really close by, but I was insistent. While Hubs headed over to the pond, I was running through the house looking for tea. No one had seen him, and soon the whole household was searching. Satisfied he wasn't in the house, I raced to the pond just in time to see tea on the pier, about to reach down to try and touch a fish. Hubs calmly called to tea, who looked up and toddled over to Hubs. The kid was just a few seconds from going into the pond. I don't know what woke me up, but I'm grateful every day. T is now an adult in college, but he'll always be my little boy. And I'll never forget that feeling of certainty that he was in trouble. 
mother's intuition. It's a real thing. Holy shit. Because I've seen those videos where babies are about to fall off a couch and the mom or the dad will be like, like a ninja. And like, they're not even, their faces turn completely the other direction. And then they're like instinctually just like turn around and catch Mm -hmm. them or like falling out of a swing. This was like telepathic. Yeah. Wow. I hate to think what may have happened had she not woken up in a a dead panic. And that is the worst way to wake up where you're just like, Mm -mm. something's wrong. How, what is happening? You're still dazed running around the house, but mother's intuition is a real thing. So listen to your gut. Babies and their moms were attached to each other. When you, we were talking about (laughs) that the other day, you're like, when the baby comes out of you, it is, I mean, it is, you're physically sharing blood. Mm -hmm. That's how close you are. And I think on an energetic level, it truly does give you that, Something's going on. Because I've even had, like, my mom call me and be like, I was calling to check in. And I was like, I feel like fucking shit. Yeah. And it's just like, you kind of, like, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you're like, uh, a lot of times I'll be like, oh, I need to call my mom or text my mom. And I'll pull up my phone. And she would have just called or texted me. And Tommy will be like, it's because you, like, felt felt it Mm -hmm. in the air. Yeah. It's a ripple in the universe. We were talking about the umbilical cord because a picture came up on our digital picture frame that we have of right after Simon was born and he's just sitting on my chest and the umbilical cord is just coming straight out. And I was just staring at the frame like, God damn, is that not amazing? I mean, he is literally connected to me by this, I mean, cord. It looks like a hose, you know, and like we're, yeah, like our bodies are sharing so much. Like he grew because, our, you know, I mean, it's just, it's incredible. And to see it like that, like the actual cord and remember like, wow, that's just wild that birth and all of it and how we're all connected. All that to say, I feel a strong connection to both of my kids in a way that I, I don't other people. And I think it mm-hmm. is because like you share so much with them. No, definitely. I mean, they they were a part of you mm-hmm. and always are a part of you. They keep that part of you with yeah. them. And so, yeah, I'm sure that feeling of even if the tea the baby's like oh fun it's a pond it's like the universe is telling you like wake up wake up wake up and you did it because part of your body's out there right exactly it's just your heart outside your chest and that's a you know something everybody likes to cross stitch but at the same time it's very (laughs) true like when i look at Mm -hmm. them it is like it is like a love and a pain all mixed into one thing that's hard to explain but when you feel it you you everybody knows what i'm talking about yeah (laughs) i mean right sinisterhood we'll be right back well speaking of heroic parents this next one is from yes and i think that they probably meant to say yes you can use my name on the air but it (laughs) just says yes in what do you want us to call you on the air so in case they do not want their name revealed, I'm just going to say their name is yes. If uh, oh, yes. if this is your story and you wish your name had been revealed, just shoot us an email and on next Freaky Friday, we'll be sure to give you credit. But it is called The Time My Asshole Father Saved Me From The Guy at Church. This could be a Father's Day Freaky Friday story, but otherwise, it's an experience that I recall almost every time I hear your podcast. I would like to share a story about how my dad possibly saved me from a major traumatic event. Folks who meet my dad informally think of him as a charming, funny, charismatic man. 
but everyone who knows him on a personal level has seen his asshole side. This is because he lived for decades with undiagnosed bipolar disorder. At the time of this event, we did not know that. As a teenager, I thought my father was just an asshole who went out of his way to be frustrating, inconsiderate, and rude. So when he saw me leaving the house to go somewhere, I prayed that he would be too busy with his own business to worry about mine. Of course, upon seeing me heading towards my car, he asked me where I was headed. Usually I would have lied and said I was on my way to meet up with some friends. For some reason, my spirit was moved to tell him the truth that day. I've been invited to do some modeling thing, I told him. Some modeling thing, he asked. Yeah, a guy from church invited me to model some clothes for this catalog he works for. My dad gave me a look like he didn't believe me. I read it as he thought I was lying. Had his next question been phrased any other way, I might have lied to get away from him. But he said, some guy from church, do you even know where you're going? This was insulting, like I'd be going to my car with no clue as to my destination. Yeah, I have an address, I told him. Okay then, let's go. My dad then dropped whatever he was doing, got into the passenger seat of my tiny little Hyundai accent, which he reminded me constantly was his car because he paid the car note on it, and instructed me to drive. Now, my father has, had, has a bit of a temper. Think King Triton from Disney's The Little Mermaid. So when he said drive, it was either start the car or don't go at all and be considered a liar. I started the car. I drove, following the tom-tom directions, as my dad sat in uncharacteristic silence the whole way. Usually, he insults my driving and talks about how reckless I am. Even now that I'm an adult, he does this. But on this trip, he didn't say a word. I was surprised when the address didn't take me to a modeling studio or someplace downtown with lots of people. We ended up at a house in a residential area on the opposite side of town from the church. I expected other girls trying out for the modeling gig to be there also. I wasn't even sure I was in the right place until the guy from church opened the door of his private residence to beckon me inside. You should have seen the way his smile dropped when my father got out of the car behind me. He's not much taller than me, and the guy from church was taller than both of us. But my dad has a huge presence. That presence alone dared the guy to say anything about his unexpected appearance. The guy opened the door and let us both in. There was no photographer, no other girls, not even a camera set up. However, he did have an outfit for me to try on. A single cheerleading uniform from the University of Georgia. He said the photographer was bringing the rest. My father asked for samples of his work, having been a photographer himself before he was married with kids. The guy from church showed dad the same catalog he'd shown me on Sunday morning. Somehow, now in dad's hands, it looked worn, out of date, and photoshopped, as if the pictures had been cut with actual scissors, pasted into different backgrounds with glue, and then scanned and printed. The guy tried to save face by saying that this was just an interview and that his photographer was late. He offered to snap a few pictures to show to the photographer later. Mind you, he had told me that he was the photographer. I tried to pretend like I was falling for it so I wouldn't feel so embarrassed. I even said I'd be happy to model the outfit while we waited, which Dad and the guy said would not be necessary. Please keep in mind that the guy from church did not look like a creepo. 
I was used to seeing him in his Sunday suits. Here in his home, he wore a sweatsuit, but it was still very neat, as though it was brand new. He looked like a stately gentleman with money, and his solid brick home was in a wealthy suburban neighborhood on the outskirts of town. He had a pencil-thin mustache and a tasteful goatee, with curly salt-and-pepper hair. He never gave off creepo vibes until this moment. I realized that if Dad had not seen me, questioned me, and come with me, I'd have been here all alone in this man's house, waiting for other people who were not coming. Dad walked around and chatted with the guy for a full 30 minutes until it was obvious that no one else was coming. I prayed that someone else would show up and prove Dad wrong. But after half an hour, the guy from church suddenly got a phone call or made a phone call to his photographer and came back to say that the shoot was canceled. Oh, what a shame, Dad said. When we left, my father drove my car and chided me about being so naive. He then took my keys for a week so that I had to be escorted either by him or by friends to work in school. Dad apparently hadn't been in the spirits to fight the guy that day, but I found out later that he made a huge scene at church when he caught the guy trying the same trick on some other girls my age. Dad stopped going to that church after this, but so did the guy. I never saw him again. I was embarrassed at the time and dismissed it as dad being a jerk. But as an adult with a beautiful daughter of my own, I look back and think of how my asshole father probably saved me and a few other girls from some serious trauma by not letting that snake slide past him. Thanks for sharing this story if you do. I hope it encourages other young women to ask probing questions or at the very least to take someone when you're off on an adventure. You never know when having backup could save your life. And give your asshole father some love every so often. They aren't winning any prizes for charm, but at least they have your back against the real live monsters of this world. That's so eerie to think that she would have shown up at that house yeah. empty, no photographer, just him and just a single cheerleader outfit. It makes me sick to my stomach, and I get a lot of joy thinking about what that little smarmy prick felt like as soon as he saw her dad get out of this car. Like, oh, I just imagine the curb music starts playing, but mm-hmm. this guy, <laughs> for much, much more sinister reasons. What a fucking perv, sicko. There's no other scenario. <laughs> No, other than he was trying to get her there and do some real fucked up stuff. So definitely good for your dad. Yeah. Good for your dad. Not only for going for King Triton, King Triton, not only for going with you. Yeah, you're right. The stomach dropped that that pervert had whenever the second door closed. Uh Because the first car door closed and he's like, all right, she's here. And he goes and you hear and it's like, who the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Your little day is ruined, pervert. Yeah. And. I'm really glad for her dad, who we will call Triton from now on. I'm really glad that Triton at the at church heard him doing that. Yeah. And was like, not on my watch, buddy, and stepped in. And then uh, the really shitty part, though, is that the guy from church probably went and ran this grift at another church yeah. somewhere else. You know, just it's just rough whenever you have uh, institutions like that, church, school, whatever, where there are adults with kind of maybe a little less supervised interaction with teenagers to be able to get them along and go, well, I'm a photographer, you know? Yeah. But still the, uh, you know, power imbalance to a teenager where you, you still trust them. And 
using something that cares of like modeling, which, you know, plays on like a young girl's hopes, hopes, you know, like, oh, yeah, like I want to get in front of the camera and model. This could be like a big break. And how fucking cringe and perverted are you to make a photoshopped catalog and then show it around. I hope this guy's in prison somewhere. He absolutely deserves to be. I love that that Triton picked it up though. It's like, let me leaf through this. (laughs) Oh, this is your handiwork? Yeah. Yeah, let's wait till the photographer shows up. Oh, what a (laughs) shame. Like 30 minutes. Yeah, 30 minutes. uh, Every... The most awkward 30 minutes any of these people have ever experienced. Oh, Except it, maybe Triton, who probably was no, like, yeah, I don't give, give a fuck. fuck. Uh, mm-hmm. You want to show, if you want to have a photographer show up and we can do some professional modeling, okay, cool. Otherwise, get the fuck out of here. And it's your yeah, house. I still want you to get out. <laughs> you leave. <laughs> <laughs> Worst staying. You Worst leave. Staying. Yeah, man. Creepy shit, though. That is yeah. so creepy. That stomach drop went. And thank God he was with you. And like, like she said, if you're going somewhere, take somebody with you. Yeah. I mean, this is what happened when I was going to be in that movie. I mm-hmm. used finger quotes. And it, when I got there, it was like a mattress with a camera. And I had pre-told my sister, call me in five minutes and tell me that mom has fallen down some <laughs> stairs and that you need me immediately. <laughs> and she did. And I was like, mother has fallen. She, my mom doesn't have stairs in her house. I was like, she's fallen downstairs. I was like, I have to go. And it's just something like that just to get yourself out of that yeah. situation. It's yeah. just so freaky that people For pray sure. on that. Take someone with you. Drop your pen. Find find a phone. Find your friends. Right. All of that. Somehow Share that rhymed. That. I wrote a little poem for <laughs> social uh, app awareness. I don't even <laughs> safety, know. Safety. Social safety. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Yes, for sending that in. Sinisterhood will be right back. Well, this next one is from Liz, and the subject line is, Doppelganger Almost Ruined My Life. I love listening to this podcast, and I never thought I'd have a story to share until doppelgangers were mentioned on a Freaky Friday episode and a memory returned. So here we go. I was in college on the last day of the semester. A girl in my class sat next to me and asked me, how'd you do on the calculus final? I looked at her, confused, and said, I'm not taking calculus. She stared at me in disbelief. You're in my other class, too. I've seen you all semester. Once again, I shook my head and said, no, I promise you I am not taking that class. She shook her head and said, are you you messing with me? You are in my other class, too. I just shrugged and assumed she must have just confused me with someone else. I didn't even think about it until later that weekend. I was hanging out with my boyfriend, now husband, of a few months. We were watching a movie in his house, and suddenly, he got a phone call from his best friend. His friend had called him to ask if he knew where I was. My boyfriend responds, she's right here next to me. His friend says, you mean it? Can you touch her? Put your hand on her arm. My boyfriend grabbed my arm and said, yes, she's here. Why? His friend said, I'm at the mall right now, and I just saw her with another guy holding hands and kissing. I could swear it's her. It's Liz. My boyfriend said, there's no way because she's right here with me and has been with me all day. So his friend said, okay, well, I promise you this girl looks just like her. I was about to confront her, but if you say it's not her, then I'll leave it alone. And he hung up. We both laughed. And then I told him about my classmate earlier that week thinking I was in her other class. 
I must have an evil twin, I joked. He later told me, you know, if you hadn't been there with me when I got that phone call, I would have believed my friend and probably broken up with you. It makes me so sad to think just because someone looked like you. And I wouldn't have blamed him. I think if my best friend had called me so sure that she saw my boyfriend with another girl, I would have believed her too, especially so early in our relationship. His best friend still insists that the young lady at the mall looked exactly like me. It actually really freaked him out. He's a good friend, and I don't believe he was lying or making it up. It makes me think about how this doppelganger almost destroyed my life. We're still happily married 13 years and have a beautiful son. So whether it was just someone who really looked like me or a doppelganger that almost changed my whole life, I'm so glad I was sitting right next to my husband when he got that call. Thank you for the podcast and beware of those doppelgangers. You never know when they could ruin your life. Keep it creepy, Liz. Oh, well, we got enough stuff to worry about without a doppelganger going around getting us in trouble. Right? If your doppelganger, well, it's one thing if your doppelganger wants to get extra credits for you and like get a calculus, yes. like get an A. Go do shopping for you. Drop your shit off in the front porch. So like you, you know, like you're always like, God, I wish I had an extra set of hands. If they want to chip in like that, I'm cool with it as long as we don't see each other. Oh, yeah. I don't want to see them. But if you, they could go to the mall and try jeans on for me and, oh, send, yes. and bring me only the perfect jeans or like bathing suits, I would love that. Yeah. I don't want to have to go. It's like you got to get in. You got to get out. It's a whole deal. Same with jeans. You got to shimmy them up. I'm not trying to do that. They go to work for my you. They go to class yes. for you. You know, yeah. they, they can do all sorts of stuff like that. But don't try and mess my relationship up. No, try to make out with my <laughs> not boyfriend. Although, what's worse? You're on the couch with your boyfriend and he gets a call that's like, hey, I think Christy is making out with a guy at the mall. Or you're at the mall and you see your boyfriend making out with you. <laughs> but you're you and you're like, you can't even be mad. You're like, Tommy. And he's like, I was kissing you. And you're like, this is the plot of Multiplicity starring Michael Keaton. It's a great film. I recommend it. Um, I think I would be more shocked to see Tommy kissing me than... But it's you. But, yeah, but it's not me because I'm me. No, it's not. But then, yeah, and then an existential crisis sets in. Well, it's, I'm sure that Doppelganger thinks they're them. That's what I'm saying. Like, who... How do you know who's who? This is AI... This is what's going to happen. <laughs> who knows who's <laughs> real and who's the AI anymore. But it is wild to think something so just, I don't want to say silly, but um, coincidental could have really changed this entire person's life. They might not have married this person and they, so they wouldn't have the kid they have. I mean, your whole life would be different all over a misunderstanding. Right? All over some doppelganger who was trying to get a handful at the downtown mall. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't you keep it in your pants, doppelganger? You're ruining my relationship. But you're right. That's one. That one phone call really could have changed the trajectory of three lies, really. Mm -hmm. Or one wouldn't even exist. That's what I'm saying. I would have had to have gone to this calculus class and just incognito stopped it and seen who this person was that looked like me. And what if you go and then you see your friend from your class and you're like, oh, I was just coming to see the person that looked like me. And they're like, oh, they actually didn't come to class today. No. (laughs) 
no, they're hiding the doppelgangers. Or you go to that class to check on it. And then when you swap back and you get back to your other class and you would have been late, you're like, sorry, I'm late. And they're like, you were just in here and you said you were going to pop out for a minute. Mm-hmm. And you're like, <gasps> you're the doppelganger myself. the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> you scared, scared yourself. So <laughs> oh, no, it's stupid. It's so dumb, but it made me scared. Well, it really it's, did. I, yeah, you, you, you know. The thought of somebody walking around out there with your face is unsettling. Yeah. Anytime we get these, like we had the one where she was very sure that her brother was walking mm-hmm. past her or yeah. Anytime I hear about, there was another one of you or the restaurant where the server was yeah. like, you got that very specific yes. drink. You were here last night. Like, no, we weren't. Yeah. That's when I think there's like some ripple between existences mm, and dimensions timelines. or something. I don't know. Time something. lines. Time well, lines. Well, Liz. Yeah. We're glad it worked for you. out for you. <laughs> right? And I'm glad it was your doppelganger. I'd like to know what doppelganger Liz is up to. So if you're listening, <laughs> send us your POV about this whole thing. Is that, I feel like doppelganger, doppelganger Liz is Zill. It's just backwards, Liz. <laughs> yeah. So Zill, write us in. <laughs> yeah, please submit it. Sinisterhood.com slash Freaky Friday. Well, this last one is from my daughter, Anonymous. <laughs> she has been really prolific. submitting a lot lately. She's really been going through it. She's so prolific. Well, today's subject line <laughs> is quite a, uh, it's shocking. Uh, it this is, is a, this is how you write a subject line. This is how you do a clickbait article that you want everybody to read. This is what you do. And it's 100% accurate. Yeah. The subject is Eddie Munster was accused of murdering my great uncle. Hi, thanks for taking the time to read my story. I love you guys. I may have missed a lot of smaller details because it's a pretty big story, but here's the gist. In 2006, my great aunt Cindy was married to a man named Ken. They lived on a cute little farm in rural Wisconsin. One night in August, Cindy went to sleep in their camper out back because, quote, it was too hot in the house and she was sick, so she wanted some rest. When Cindy woke the next morning, She found Ken had been shot with a shotgun in their bed. She claimed she hadn't heard anything. Cindy was a suspect right away. First of all, it came out that they used to own a shotgun, and that was now missing. They had never reported it to the police. So strange that they had one missing, and Ken was also killed with one. There was also a note that read, Bitch, stabbed into Cindy's pillow with a knife. This was interesting because the handwriting looked very, very similar to Cindy's. Cindy's in-laws didn't like her very much, including her stepchildren. Cindy wouldn't let Ken's family see his remains or give him a funeral after his death. She was also set to gain almost a million dollars from Ken's tragedy, including insurance policies that she signed his name on, and the property itself. Fast forward to December of 2019. Cindy was the first, and so far the only one to my knowledge, to be arrested for the killing of Ken. That's 13 years after Ken's death. This is when Eddie Munster, well, the actor that played him, Butch Patrick Lilly, was called to the stand to testify. I don't exactly understand all of the details because it's messy, but I'll do my best. Essentially, Butch, Ken, and a few other men had part ownership of the Monster Hall Raceway, a local racetrack. Cindy claimed there was illegal activity going on and that there was money missing. She claimed that Butch and the other men were responsible for killing Ken. Butch testified he had absolutely nothing to do with it. 
The jury came to the conclusion that Cindy was guilty of first-degree intentional homicide. The trial was two weeks long. She was sentenced to life in prison without parole at 67 years old. I also emailed a local news article about it and a few pictures. Thanks again. Keep it creepy. What? Uh... And I looked it up, and that was on Law and Crime, and mm-hmm. I mean, it was reported on because this that the defense was essentially I did not do it. Eddie Munster and these three other men that worked with Ken in this ownership, there was they alleged a five person. It was a five person ownership of the racetrack, but a four person conspiracy like against Ken. I hope that they refused to use his actual name and Bless only called heart. him Eddie Munster throughout the whole trial. <laughs> He's like a grown-up adult now, and I feel bad that I'm also Butch State Patrick. calls like, Eddie Munster to the stand. Yeah, he's like, it's Butch Patrick, but thanks. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was it made headlines because yeah. you can't go accusing. No. I mean, you can't just accuse anybody, but much less somebody that has, a, I assume, presumably a lot to lose, right? I mean, that's your legacy as a an actor and a celebrity, and nobody wants to be accused of murder. No. Also. I don't know if he went on to do other things, or was he one of those child actors that was kind of his, his gig? And I mean, the Munsters were on for a while, so he probably had a pretty lucrative a child acting career at the very least. Well, I think that maybe afterwards too, he did a lot. I mean, he did other shows. He did when he grew up, he was in a lot of stuff throughout the 60s and 70s. And then from like the 70s through the 2000s, he really wasn't in a bunch. This is according to his Wikipedia page. <laughs> I'm not some Butch Patrick stand. <laughs> Although you love Butch Patrick Lily, you never stop talking about him. You like make Paris dress up as Eddie Munster all the time. So you stop acting like you're not obsessed obsessed with Eddie Munster. I'm obsessed with Eddie Munster. I I will say I did love the Munsters a lot. I did too. I loved the Munsters. Such a good show. Uh, but no, yeah, so he's been in some stuff. He was in the Munsters movie, the 2022 reboot, oh. which I've not watched because I watched the YouTube. I watched the YouTube breakdown that apparently it wasn't very good. But oh. uh but for Butch Patrick's sake, I'm glad he was able to come. It sucks that he would have to come out and testify, but I'm glad he was able to testify after not only losing his friend, but also being wrongfully accused of that. You know, yeah. and it was never like he was not arrested or under wrongfully accused. Is, that's just her defense attorney. She tried to she, throw him under the bus. Yeah. Yeah. Which seemed like a pretty weak argument. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to go sleep in the camper tonight. It just happens to be on the same night my husband gets shot and somebody stabs my pillow with a knife. Yeah. Where's the gun we used to own? I don't know. Who's to say? Yeah, it did not add up. Didn't it's, didn't add up. Um, it is strange that there's been there was such a the gap between the incident and when she was arrested. You know, yeah. thirteen years later. But it may just be that it sounds pretty cut and dry. But as anonymous said, there were some details, so it could be that you know some things were. Uh, evidence was missing mm. or unavailable or something until much later. But I'm glad eventually she saw prison for that yeah. because it's just egregious to do that for kill for gain like that it's so heartless 67 years old prison without parole that's not a fun way to spend your twilight years yeah it's not a good place to but retire to deserved yeah oh, you well get deserved. to retire to the local prison absolutely well thank you anonymous for sending that in and yes, thank uh, you, that's Heather's a case- daughter Yes, my daughter. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, darling. I love you. (laughs) Sinisterhood, we'll be right back. 
Well, now it's time for our National Park After Dark guest stories. And like we said, it's the podcast for the morbid outdoor enthusiasts. And it is highly recommend you check it out. They have a recent episode on the third man factor that will you'll hear us reference as well as some of their other episodes in our interview. And we just had such a they're just awesome. Like I want to go on their trips with them. Oh, <laughs> 100%. Go we got a lot of trips we've planned in the past week with a fellow podcast host so i'm looking forward to it but that's true cassie and danielle are best friends we love talking to other best friends Mm -hmm. who also host shows we also got to talk to some today for a future episode as, as well and it's like you said it's such a niche industry and we always like share similarities and Mm -hmm. it's just great to meet people that otherwise we probably our paths wouldn't have crossed and they're both lovely people and have some very compelling and freaky stories compelling and freaky stories is right and these are ones that just happened to them but yeah definitely check out Mm -hmm. national park after dark uh because they i love how they give you it's all location specific right so you get the history of the national park and really though i have to warn you because all it makes me want to do is travel to all of these places which is ironic given that it is you know some (laughs) macabre things that happen but we understand that macabre things happen everywhere every day and it's not the location's fault so uh, we loved talking to Cassie and Danielle, and you're going to love listening to it. And just just the second story, I mean, but like I said, both stories are shocking, but that second one, you'll hear our jaws drop, and mm-hmm. you can see them drop on YouTube for the whole thing. That's true. Yes. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for this new edition of Listener Stories on Freaky Friday. But we have guest stories, and today we have two amazing guests with us. We have Cassie and Danielle from National Park After Dark. Hello. 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 Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for joining us. We are, we've been listening to y'all. We're uh, big fans. For those that maybe haven't listened to y'all, can you just tell us a little bit about your show and how y'all met and got into it and everything? Of course, we'd love to. So our show, National Park After Dark, it is about, it's just what it sounds like. It's about national (laughs) parks and we dive deep into different stories, whether that be survival stories, crazy history that's happened there, true crime. Uh, If it happens in a national park, pretty much we'll talk about it. (laughs) well we've listened to some recent episodes the third man factor was so gripping and it's very much the type of uh, story we like Mm -hmm. because well christy you all should know is a I don't know what Mount is about Everest. to come out of her mouth. Okay, Mount She's Everest. She's a Mount Everest enthusiast. She loves okay. read about Not it. just Mount Everest, pretty the much all climbing. mountains. Yeah. yeah. I I want to clarify. I do not climb mountains. <laughs> I enjoy watching documentaries about them. Yes. And that is where it ends. <laughs> and reading about all the heinous, horrible stuff that happens right. on and, them. Or the good thing that happens, like the third man factor. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, I loved that. I stumbled upon that story. Just I saw the book and I was like, oh, what's this? And every time we like, I would say a lot of the times when people ask, where do you come up with your stories? It's like we see a subject or an event that happened and we're like, is there a national park tie in mm-hmm. here? And nine times out of 10, there is. Wow. Mm-hmm. So 
we hit the jackpot with that. But the third man factor was a cool one to do. It, it was a little different than our normal stories because it was more of like a phenomenon. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people really enjoyed it. That's Definitely. awesome. Oh, yeah. And you do. you Like you said, if there's a, a tie-in, you'll find it. Because we also listened to your Hot Springs, Arkansas. It's right here. They're neighbors to us here mm-hmm. in Texas. So uh, with all the Al Capone and the organized crime connection, like I had no idea about any of that. I just thought it was like a fun little oasis that like <laughs> my friend's parents used to go like weekend at. I didn't know there was like full-ass <laughs> crime rings going on (laughs) oh yeah hot springs had had some fun stuff going on there for a long time (laughs) it was hot right yeah Mm -hmm. it's talking about his room like al capone's room like looking over onto everybody i was like this is like a the vegas of the south like i had no idea i thought that was kentucky i thought they like to call it the vegas of the south hot springs arkansas who knew New. Well, that's the amazing part about like y'all show because you said you track down those stories and find that connection. Were y'all both outdoor enthusiasts before you started the show? Is that kind of how your friendship blossomed or what kind of yeah, made sure. you go that direction? Yeah, sure. So uh, Cassie and I met, we were just talking about this the other day, <laughs> uh, we think in 2016. 16? Yeah. yeah. Um, we grew up in southern New Hampshire together just in um, neighboring towns After college, um, we ended up working at the same veterinary hospital. We were vet techs for a very long time. um, And that is how we met and connected. Aside from maybe bumping shoulders or rubbing elbows (laughs) at parties throughout high school and college. We might have met and and never knew each other. Yeah. Um, But other than that, that's where we really met. And of course, our job was indoors, but on our you know, off time, we would spend a lot of time hiking the White Mountains in New Hampshire and... um, gabbing it up <laughs> at work um, <laughs> about the stories that we now share in a much more eloquent way. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how that started. And then we moved um, from Southern New Hampshire to different parts of the country. And we just kept the conversation going in the format of the podcast. So that's how it was born. It's beautiful. I love that. Love Where do it. you each both live now? I'm I'm located in Vermont. Okay. And I'm out in Colorado. Nice. nice. We were just in. You were there at our show. You're good. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's right. Show. Yes, okay. you came. Yeah. That's you right. So Thank you so much. Yes. Yeah, of course. I hope I you liked it. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I remember now. Yeah, y'all uh, tagged us in it, and we were very excited. So, <laughs> so that's awesome. We were stoked to see it. I was like, I was just listening to you. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, yeah. Well, we nice. we hear you have some stories to share with us yes, today. Yes, your own Freaky Friday Odd stories. Yeah, we sure do. We wrote them out for you so we have all the juicy details in here. I love it. Appreciate okay. it. We're ready. Well, I'd love to go first. Yes, go for please. it, Kathy. Yeah. All right. My story takes place a few years ago in November of 2018. I had traveled several hours away to visit a close friend of mine from college. She lived in a very small New England town. And to give you a visual of this town, the population is only a couple thousand people. And besides a convenience store, pizza place, and a really quaint little ice cream shop that doubles as a farm petting zoo, there's (laughs) nothing to do in this town. (laughs) I arrived to her house late morning, and it was quickly decided, based on the cold weather, that we would be spending the day indoors. Our plan was to catch up, cook some food at home, and binge watch Netflix. It would just be the three of us, her and I, and her rescue dog, Bruce. Bruce ends up being a crucial part of this story. Bruce's past is a little unknown as he came to a rescue up north after being rescued in southern Georgia. 
After my friend had him DNA tested, she learned he was a mix of pit bull, husky, and it was reported unknown. If you see him, though, he looks like one of those wild dingoes from Australia. (laughs) He's super sweet. He loves people. He loves affection and cuddling. But if you first glance at him, he looks pretty intimidating. Whatever his past was, it left him with several scars across his face, neck, back, and hind, and it turned him to appear to be this wild and maybe very unfriendly dog, despite that not being the case. Anyway, we had made our food and settled onto the couch to watch Netflix when we suddenly heard a knock on the door and Bruce jumped up. My friend had noticed her landlord outside earlier and told me it was probably them before getting up off the couch to answer the door. I stayed in the living room, but from where I was sitting, I could see the door. When she opened it, I saw a man about our age, probably late 20s, who looked a little scruffy and maybe even a little dirty. But I had never seen her landlord before, so I didn't immediately think anything of it. Then I heard him ask my friend if he could come inside and use her phone. As he asked, all of Bruce's hackles stood up on his back and he began to growl. Immediately, I realized this probably was not her landlord. I was standing up now, but by the way her house is shaped, even though I could get a better glimpse of him, it was unlikely that he was able to see me from where I was standing. He was scrawny, reddish hair, a scraggly beard, and he looked as though he might have a problem with drugs. It was obvious here that something just was not right. I heard my friend say, no, you can't come in. Sorry, my dog's not friendly. And in that same moment, this strange guy in the door took a step towards her. At the same time he took a step forward, Bruce lunged at the man, stopping right before him and snapping in the air at him. My friend grabbed his collar and slammed the door and locked it. Even after the door was shut, Bruce was still on edge. He began circling the house with all of his hackles up, occasionally growling and looking out the windows. My friend then grabbed her phone and took a video of him pacing outside the house. And as she's taking the video, he appeared to reach into his back pocket and pull out his cell phone. As soon as he did that, we called the police. She relayed to them exactly what happened, and when she got off the phone, she explained to me that the dispatcher said that they would be there soon. All of us were pretty shook up at that point. We waited for the police to show up, but by the time they arrived, it was almost two hours later. We spoke to them for about half an hour, detailing everything that happened. My friend showed the police footage she had captured of this strange man, but the quality wasn't great, and you couldn't see any identifying features on this person. Police promised to survey the area every day in search of him after that, and I was no longer there, but my friend says that that never happened. That day, Bruce ended up getting like a thousand treats and (laughs) showered in love and telling him he was a good boy because we didn't know what could have happened if he had gotten inside. But this story doesn't end here. One week later, my friend saw him again in the headlines of every local news network. This man had gone to the Walmart only a few towns away with a loaded rifle. People who were there called the police, and when SWAT showed up, they evacuated the area. This guy shot at police before returning into the woods behind the Walmart. They ended up being in a 24-hour standoff before he was eventually captured. 
Police used helicopter surveillance and infrared vision to see that he was still in the woods behind the Walmart, and they discovered that he had actually been living back there. Turns out he was also wanted on three warrants of criminal threatening and four warrants of theft. Earlier the day of the incident, his father had actually gone to the woods where he was living and noticed that he had several guns out there. He reported it to police and said that his son was talking, quote unquote, crazy about the government and the Waco, Texas incident and gave the police GPS coordinates to his location. Before police arrived to the scene, people had seen him walking around the parking lot with the rifle, and that's when they had called the police. So I don't know what he was planning to do that day when he showed up at my friend's house, but thankfully, we weren't hurt, and no one in the Walmart incident was hurt either. And I have no idea what he's doing today, but I really hope he's received the help that he clearly needs. Most definitely. What a whoa. Yeah. Right. Bruce was a an integral part of that. He sure was. Dogs know. Dogs know things that we don't. Right. They, you know, there's They're some like, kind of energy or weird. They say that like when humans are about to do something nefarious, we give off a pheromone. And that's kind of like why our guts mm, tell us like, like, hey, I shouldn't get on the elevator with this mm. guy or whatever. So if dogs can pick up on something that we can't even pick up on. Right. And something so out of character. I mean, Bruce is a very yeah. sweet dog. And to react mm-hmm. that way, I've walked in the house a hundred times. And even the first time I met him, he didn't growl at me. You know, so yeah, right? for someone to walk in front of the door and knock on it and just say, hey, can I come in? And for him to react like that. Yeah. Behaviorally, yeah, that tells you something when, Mm-mm. like, you just ring the doorbell and Buffy just stands there and looks because she knows it's Christy. But I've I had a guy kind of, do that like where he was getting up from a park bench and Buffy bared down, bared her teeth. And she's a sweet little rescue dog. And when she did that, I was like, Oh, cause you're just like, she would never do that. Mm-hmm. So she senses something. I will, you know, I'm texting or whatever. So man, that is, Oh, Bruce saved the day. Okay. And that the Walmart incident didn't end worse. Yeah. yeah. Much worse. Especially yeah. here. The dad calls it in, but if someone starts mentioning Waco and things like that, I think, that you're right, they need to find mental health treatment and help for what's going on because it sounded like he was struggling mm-hmm. for yeah. days. Yeah, and whatever was going on with him, he was clearly going to be dangerous for other people. So oh, I yeah. hope that whatever was happening, that he has gotten that help because mm-hmm. it's better for mm-hmm. him and it's better for everyone right. else who's going to be around him. Makes you a danger to yourself as well just because you have a gun and the police are there or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's not intending to do any of that. He just needs he needs treatment and help. You're right. What year did you say it was? 2018. 2018. Wow. That's still so interesting that he would mention like the Waco incident when right. it wasn't he was a child probably. Right. Yeah, when it's it, not like when it was it a recent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he would really like relate to in a like, oh, this is a peer type of way. Right. It's just a, a story and he's read about. It's like seeing. a buzzword, I think too, for like yeah. the post 2016, like when you, people started getting more into conspiracy theories and stuff, like it was just like mm-hmm. Waco and that stuff. Like if they didn't remember firsthand it going down, it could get distorted. And yeah, you believe, Oh, it was just like Waco. It's like, eh, it's a little different, sir. <laughs> we uh, yeah. being two hours from Waco and I was in middle school when that happened. I remember it very well. So mm-hmm. it's a, uh, yeah. It's definitely not something you anybody should emulate and try and recreate. No, so I no, hope he is getting not. help. Yeah, for sure. Most definitely. Well, thank you. Thank so you much, so Cassie. much for sharing that. Yeah. Yes.
Sinisterhood will be right back. Danielle, you have a story for us as well? I do. And unfortunately, I have several, so I had to pin it down. Oh, share as many as you want. (laughs) Weird things happen to me. Um, But no, I'll just share one. And this also takes place in a small New England town in 2011. It was Keene, New Hampshire, and it was my junior year of college, and I was sharing an apartment off campus with two other roommates. The apartment building wasn't what you may be imagining. It was only four small units, as the building was a converted 1910 single-family home, complete with everything you'd imagine from a 1910 New England home. Creaky, uneven wooden floorboards, Dirt floor basement complete with one singular hanging light bulb you had to turn on with a long string, and walls that held over a century of stories. The stories of that year, however, were mostly alcohol-soaked nights, belly-splitting laughter, and family dinner nights, which, nine times out of ten, consisted of late-night slices of Domino's pizza with a side of PBR. (laughs) Despite the overall creep factor our building gave, nothing creepy really ever happened, much to my dismay. I've always been a paranormal girl and actively sought out the strange and unusual. So when I learned that my building was over 100 years old when I first moved in, I think I may have even given a little fist pump. Unfortunately, something creepy did happen to me in that building, just not in the way that I would have imagined. It was New Year's Eve, and I was spending the night in the apartment with my then-boyfriend. Just to give some context, Keene State College is a very small state school in a small New Hampshire town. Its biggest claim to fame is being used as the set for Jumanji, the OG Jumanji with Robin Williams, (laughs) and its picturesque, old-timey New England walkable downtown that makes the town just feel small, safe, and homey. The college students bring Keene State to life, and during breaks, the area of that town that houses the college becomes pretty much a ghost town. New Year's Eve was no different, and it was in the middle of winter break, so the vast majority of the college students went home to spend time with family, including my two roommates and everyone else in my building. But not me. I had a job in town and stayed. Before the evening's festivities, I had driven up north to pick up my boyfriend for a few days. We returned just in time to walk downtown to have dinner and ring in the new year at the nearest bar. We stumbled home around 2 a.m. and went to bed. Sometime around 3 a.m., I woke up to the sensation of touch. I was in the in-between, that neither here nor there feeling. Pile on a still, slightly buzzed feeling, and you can imagine the sort of days that I was in. I was awake, but my eyes hadn't caught up yet, and were still sleepily shut. I instantly recognized the touch as a light stroking above my knees, between my legs, and steadily working their way up. I was laying on my side, wearing only an oversized t-shirt, and my first thoughts immediately and angrily, went to my boyfriend. (laughs) Seriously, I'm dead asleep, and this is how you're going to make a move on me? I'm a notoriously angry sleeper, (laughs) and anyone who knows me knows to tread very lightly when it comes to pulling me away from sleep. Something that my boyfriend knew very well, and that should have been my first red flag. 
I didn't open my eyes or react, hoping my lack of reaction would send the message loud and clear. It's not going to happen. But it continued, and it was getting more aggressive. I felt the rage building in my chest, and I was conjuring up a sassy comment to snap in his direction when I realized something odd. That touch did not feel like the one that I had become familiar with. It was artificial and cold. It felt slippery, like the feeling of a doctor with a latex glove on. I slowly opened my eyes, and to my horror, awoke to the sight of my boyfriend's back facing away from me. He was sound asleep, and I remember seeing the edge of his ribcage rise and fall with his steady breaths. He wasn't touching me, which meant, who was? In a state of shock, still lying on my right side, I slowly turned my head over my left shoulder to see a tall, dark outline of a man. He was wearing a hat, and a bandana was wrapped around his face, revealing only his eyes. Most of his details were concealed by the inky blackness of the night, but the silver streams of moonlight that spilled in through my window illuminated the side of his face. He straightened up, removed his hand from my body, and we locked eyes. We were both silent, suspended in a moment of time. After what felt like an eternity, he raised his gloved hand to his bandana-covered lips and gave the universal shh symbol. They say your body's natural reaction to danger is the fight, flight, or freeze response. Your heart rate increases, your pain perception drops, and your hearing sharpens, and I can firmly say that all of those things are true. He backed away slowly, never breaking my gaze or turning around as he retreated toward my open bedroom door. He paused for a moment in the threshold before gingerly closing it, unable to latch it completely due to the off-kilter frame. Now, I am an Italian, fiery, Sagittarius, born and raised in New England girl. (laughs) In other words, I am never one for not having something to say. But that was the first time in my entire life I could not speak. When I gathered myself, I shook my boyfriend awake and the entire story poured out in a panic, fragmented pieces. I'm sure all he heard was a man here touching me and that was enough. He rushed out of bed before I could finish and ran out of the bedroom to investigate. I did my best to follow him, regaining the feeling in my body and stumbling to find my footing like a baby gazelle. To our surprise, nothing was out of place. My roommate's belongings were everywhere. MacBooks were on the counter, the TV was untouched, not a thing was out of place or disturbed. The front door was unlocked, but we weren't sure if we forgot to lock it when we came in earlier that night in our drunken state. None of the windows were unlocked, ajar, or broken. After scanning the apartment and looking into the small hallway and out the front door that opened into the parking lot, he suggested that I experienced a night terror or a really bad dream. Who breaks in and doesn't steal anything, he asked. But I was standing firm. Raising his eyebrows and suspicions, he then went on to tell me I probably just encountered a ghost. (laughs) After all, I had always been a paranormal fan and the building was super old. After playing out our amateur crime scene investigation, I reluctantly gave in to his ghost gaslighting. The next day started slowly and consisted of a lot of retelling of events, 
me reiterating, God, it was just so real. Trying my best to shake it off, I was looking everywhere for my things. I'm not known for my tidiness and had been buzzed when I got back, but this was out of the norm even for me. For the life of me, I couldn't find my phone or my wallet. I told my boyfriend about my missing things, and I could almost feel him rolling his eyes at me as he picked up his pants that were in a crumpled mess next to the bed, laying right where he took them off the night before, to grab his phone to locate mine. As he was in the middle of giving me flack for losing my things, his face went white. His wallet and his phone were gone from the pockets. Someone had been in the apartment the night before. And commenced the joint freakout. Not only did I get sexually assaulted, this person knew where I lived, knew my home address and all of my personal details from my IDs, and now had full access to my phone. After the dust settled, I came up with a theory. Starting two to three months before, there was a major construction event going on an arm's length away from our building. The school was building a massive, new, off-campus apartment building set to open the following year. Construction had been going on day in and day out for months, long enough for someone to pay close attention to the activity of our building, long enough for someone to know when everyone in the building was gone. As I mentioned earlier, I had picked up my boyfriend earlier that day, meaning to whoever was monitoring the parking lot, it looked like I was alone as my car was the only one there. With a sinking pit in my stomach, it all clicked into place. Someone had been watching me for who knows how long. As scary as it was, I've thought about how much worse it could have been and probably would have been if I truly was alone that night. And to top it all off, about three months later, I got a call from our campus, from our campus safety office. Apparently, I had dropped my college ID, the one that had an image of my face, my full name, and the one that could be scanned to unlock all the campus buildings. Again, I'm bad at losing track of things, and it's not out of my wheelhouse, so I thanked the voice on the other end of the phone and made my way to the office to pick it up. When the woman behind the desk handed it to me, I felt that freeze again. It was my old ID, the one that was tucked safely away in my wallet that was taken from my bedside on New Year's Eve. The woman informed me it was returned anonymously. To say my head was on a swivel the rest of that year would have been an understatement, and thankfully nothing else happened, and I can't tell you how happy I was for that last day of classes. I don't think I've ever packed my bags faster. Wow. Ooh. Oh. Wow. Well, first, so very sorry that happened to you. Right. I this, The whole time was like, okay, this is a paranormal story. And then you got me. The true terror. I gotcha. Yeah. Humans. <laughs> Flesh well, and blood. No, I mean, the scariest thing of all. Yes. An actual yeah. person being there. Oh, man. <laughs> and I really was gaslit for a little bit. Like, I right. really yeah. was convinced. Like, he did a good job of convincing me that that was just like some creepy thing. The hat and it, man. Right. It was, you know, like, it was just like, uh, well, maybe, I don't know. And like, all of these things were piling up. Like, my roommates left in, you know, you picture a college girl's mm -hmm. dorm or apartment, like there is things everywhere. And not a single thing was touched yeah. or taken or disrupted. He's like, who, who breaks in? 
and doesn't take a thing. It's like someone with different intentions. Yes, yes. exactly. Right. The intent and, wasn't to rob everyone. Right. No. Um, so that was really, that shook me up pretty good. Yeah. And, um, Man. Yeah. So that was quite a while ago. And yeah, like I said, I've had other things happen to me that have been along the same lines, but that was definitely the scariest. Definitely. It's stomach um, drop. Yeah. And they and never, never, never caught him. No, nope, I'm assuming never caught him, and I had no real description to yeah. even give because and the bandana, just because the it was a bandana over his face, and then he had like a cut, like a covering. It was just his eyes. I was also pretty buzzed. Yeah. It was the middle of the night yeah. it happened so fast. Um, but I do remember. So obviously, me and my boyfriend at the time we're now out. We don't have phones. We don't have money. We have nothing. So I remember scrounging up for change and we went down to like the local 7-eleven and used that was the last time i've ever used a payphone. Right. and i've called my mom <laughs> and i you know i told her and she's like we'll order you a domino's pizza for dinner because i don't have any you know yeah. my car's out of gas i can't get anything right. and um yeah that was it was pretty frightening but thankfully i only had a couple more months there oh, right on. did they ever recover either phone no or wallet or anything, yeah and then it was just the single. Yeah. I feel like it was like taunting me. Yeah. yeah that's creepy. Because then it's like now they, you know that they know where you go, that they looked through it. That Or yeah. it's kind mm-hmm. of a message like, like, hey. Still around. I'm, I'm still here, by the way. Unless he tossed it in. Uh, a stranger, stranger picked it up and turned it in. But do you think that the perpetrator was the one that actually turned it in? I that's my gut instinct just yeah. because you know I've gone over this a lot of times yeah. in my head but and I've considered you know he just you know when people get something they rummage through it and toss it mm-hmm. it was the only thing that was recovered and it was months later mm-hmm. and it was specifically turned in anonymously mm-hmm. to my campus security office mm-hmm. I just feel like there was I want to mess with you yeah. aspect to yeah. that one last um, yeah something but, I haven't forgot yeah Oh, and man. I have access to your school campus. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. The I through this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I and it, and it really robs you of your final days. Like you said, you're like, yeah. oh, I was counting down the days. I couldn't wait to leave. I just wanted to get out of there. And that's what mm-hmm. we talk about any of these crimes. There's always the primary harm that happens, whether it's a terrorist attack, a mass shooting, a, an incident like this, an intimate, you're in your own home assault. There's that primary. In incident right that leaves you feeling nervous in your house but then the ripple effects of like oh well now i don't have food and it's gonna be horribly inconvenience me to do this and also i just don't want to be here anymore in my senior year mm-hmm. which like we all say that in our final days of college like i can't wait to get out of here but there's like a loving nostalgia about it mm-hmm. too of like oh these are our last days and to rob you of that that's just that just compounds the the insult that they already did mm-hmm. yep I'm i so definitely sorry. was like you know Thanks, Keen, for the memories. Yeah, right. <laughs> nice you. Gotta go. Did your uh, then boyfriend uh, apologize? Yeah, he okay. sure did. Good, I mean, <laughs> we're not together for a multitude of reasons. Um, but um, yeah, it didn't last long after that incident. Yeah. But that was kind of, I was like, you're not going to believe me? Like, right. really? You know, it was kind of like this traumatizing thing just happened to me and you just want to go about your day and like brush me off without considering it. Um, But I am kind of glad that, I mean, I'm not glad that his stuff was taken too, but it was kind of the final nail in the coffin. Yeah. Okay, this is real. It made him believe it. Yeah, because Mm -hmm. something had actually 
happened to Second. him and right. <laughs> inconvenienced right. yeah, him. about you, sir. <laughs> now that you're inconvenienced, suddenly let's call the police. Do you think that he did stop because he saw your boyfriend in the bed? Yeah. And well, that's the why I picked this one um, for obviously it's messed up. Yeah. Very freaky. Very freaky. Um, yes. But also because of that, that's the one thing that has stuck in my mind after all of these years, you know, over a decade later is if he was not there that like he already had the balls to go that far mm-hmm. when there was another person present. Yeah. Right. And if that my boyfriend at the time was not there, I know in my heart of hearts that something way worse would have happened yeah. to me. Um, because obviously he came prepared. He had gloves on. He had masks on. He like he knew. Yeah. He, and he wasn't about to come in to an apartment building full of people or even an apartment, my apartment with multiple girls mm-hmm. in there. Like I think he was very selective when he chose to act and he had intentions that were not great yeah oh, oh man well flying. i'm very very happy that the your then boyfriend was there to right. at least prevent something uh worse from happening but still that kind of assault is so violating and mm-hmm. obviously a, over a decade later you know you're still thinking about it and i always think like that guy you know he hasn't spent the last decade thinking about what he did but again that residual ripple effect of like this is Mm life-changing you know i mean it's not like it's just a blip on the radar that you then forget about like it can change your perception of everything and your trajectory in life in general so fuck that guy yes yeah swept away hard yeah yeah, because yeah. that's a, you don't stop, right? Like if that's if you've gotten to that point, it seems stuff, like yeah. that's you know, like I mean, y'all see too. There's an escalation with perpetrators like this. So yeah, if we got that far, yeah, hopefully that there wasn't um, another victim after you. So yeah, well, I think about that often yeah. too. You know, because of that exact thing, it's like this clearly in my mind was not the first time he did something like this and it probably wasn't the last yeah. Mm-hmm. so yeah very but you know you did the right thing as far as calling it in calling your, you know looking around trying to fi- do what you can to report i don't have much but he was wearing a bandana and gloves and it was this place at this time and this construction was going on so maybe if they're hopefully he didn't attack anybody else but if he attempted it maybe somebody got arrested somewhere and you just were not aware of it but i'm also a ridiculously optimistic person to think that and just in life in general. So that's just <laughs> well, let's me trying to be like, but guys, thinking. like probably he's in jail, right? Yeah, but probably he went Honestly. and attacked another person yeah, a couple see, more, more times. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's no. probably what happened. But for real though, like good for you for not ignoring your gut and knowing that like, no, I know what happened to me because it is so easy for guys first responders, whatever, police to kind of diminish that. Like, all right, but you came home drunk and you were drunk. So, you know, you might have been asleep. And it's like, no, I know what happened. Mm -hmm. I know when I'm dreaming and I know Mm -hmm. the feeling of like a gloved hand going up my legs. So not letting them like further gaslight you and Mm -hmm. stay strong to what you knew was what really happened to you. Believe women. That's what a lesson. 
stand firm. That's right. Yes. Yeah, yes. right. Believe woman. And if you're the one not being believed, stand firm and don't let anybody ghost gaslight you. Which, for your love of the paranormal, that's fucked up. Your ex was going right? to choose to be like, well, you love ghosts so much. Maybe it was a ghost. It's like, uh, how dare you? Like, I know. You're going to ghost victim blame me? <laughs> like, I brought this on myself because I like you? ghosts. This is I a know. whole new level of victim blame. Yeah, it's a and whole like, new level of gaslighting right there. Yes. <laughs> Ghostlighting. Like, don't use my passions against me, okay? Don't smirch the what the good parts of ghosts right. and accuse right. them of something they didn't do. Yeah, you would yeah. never. Those ghosts would never. Well, yeah, thank so, you for yeah. sharing that and, and being so vulnerable. Yes, yeah, fuck, fuck all of them. <laughs> I, I love this though because whenever we have guests on that share stories like this, because we unfortunately get so many stories about assault from our listeners for things like this and i you know so often when we're reading their stories we can't ask them questions in real time and hear like what you just said of like you still think about that stuff and like how you've thought about this so much and i think that's really powerful for people to know like you're not alone if you if you can't you know just like brush it off which you shouldn't like it's okay that it becomes a part of your story you just, you know, use it to spread awareness like you are and hopefully help other people heal and feel less alone. Yeah, I agree. Very well said. Thank you all so much for coming on and sharing your stories, both super freaky. And mm-hmm. I'm glad that both of you weren't more affected than you were from both of those. Definitely a Thank lesson you. too, like you said, listen to either your own gut or if you have a sweet rescue dog's gut too, of just that That's trickle, right. that moment of like, hang on a minute. And tuning into that and not letting anybody push you out of it. So, yeah, we appreciate y'all. And where can everybody find you if they want more National Park After Dark? Yeah. Well, they can find us on Instagram, National Park After Dark. On Twitter, we're NPAD Podcast. We have a website, NPADpodcast.com. But we mostly use Instagram, probably. Or you can find us to listen to us. Those are our socials. But if you want to listen to us, we're on Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Awesome. You got any exciting things up coming up you want to plug before we uh, before we go? I know you all do trips with your listeners sometimes, right? You have any of those we coming do. up? Sometimes. sometimes. Oh, <laughs> we booked out our whole year. Oh, they're ready. Oh, awesome. Y'all what do ready? you have Where coming up? Well, we will be in Alaska, Canada, wow. South Africa, and Madagascar. God damn, that escalated. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. And, the, and you, at all of these places, you're going to be visiting national parks? Yeah, that's amazing. I every um, night before bed with my husband and I with our kids will watch like a nature show. Mm -hmm. And the one we're currently watching is the National Park on Netflix that Obama narrates. Very cool. Oh, my gosh. The last one there was they went to one in the Congo. And I was like, this is the most incredible place I've ever seen. Like, can people go there? (laughs) And um my daughter commented like, oh, it's very Madagascar from like, you know, the movies and stuff. So I hope you get to experience something just as uh, beautiful in Alaska. Incredible. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. What we had awesome some trips. great trip. We uh, have already done Egypt and Patagonia this year. So wow. um, missed them. <laughs> it's been <laughs> it's been great. I was just playing on tagging along. <laughs> yeah, it's been a great opportunity to travel and to bring, you know, our audience with us to experience these things in real life because telling stories about them is great, but it can only get you so far. And to experience yeah. them in, mm-hmm. uh, in person is 
is great. Do y'all tell like spooky stories while you're there or kind of give a history of like spooky stuff that's happened or is it more just kind of a a camping um, cleanup type of trip? It's kind of more of just a trip where we're doing a lot of hiking and we actually go with guides because we're not experts in those areas. So Mm -hmm. the guides will actually often tell trips of the area when we're there. And Alaska is the first trip that we're doing where we're actually sitting around a campfire at night. So we might be able to switch it up a little bit and do some campfire stories when we go out there. But uh, for the most part, we've been staying in hotels. But now we're going to start doing some camping trips this summer. I love that. Excellent. We love it. Well, we'll make sure... uh we're going to keep an eye on your Instagram yeah. to see where all y'all are at. Be I like, want to go to South Africa. Right. Maybe all we'll those places. <laughs> yeah. Really, you listed. We'll That's amazing. Right? <laughs> we'll I love you. that. Thank well, you. thank you so much, Cassie and Danielle. Y'all have been a joy to talk to and catch them on National Park After Dark, wherever you get your podcast. And also go on some baller trip with them and tell amazing. spooky ghost stories while also enjoying like some of the most beautiful places in the world. What a job you two have. That's amazing. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. It was so much fun talking to y'all. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you for having us. It's been awesome. Well, thank you so much to Cassie and Danielle from National Park After Dark for their stories and everyone else that sent in their stories. If you have an odd but true story, maybe you've encountered Bigfoot, you've seen a UFO, you had a brush with true crime, or you felt the presence of an otherworldly being, send them in at sinisterhood.com slash Freaky Friday. We love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost. So if you like what you hear, consider supporting this show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating this show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the Ruling the Airwaves and Getting Into It tier, a special shout-out on the show, a monthly bonus mini-sode, and patron-exclusive audio content including Am I the Asshole, Relationship Advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, True Crime Headlines, and more. And our patrons in the Getting Into It tier are also able to vote on a bonus content segment each quarter. They would like to see us live stream. The next one's going to be coming up in June. And you also are about to, this week, we're going to put up our poll for what our May Patreon selection is. So make sure you subscribe to Patreon now. That's coming up in the next few days. And you'll get to vote on one of the main feed episodes that we're going to do this month. There's also a fun new Patreon feature that we just signed up for. The Join for Free. Heather, what does that mean? Well, if you go on our Patreon page and you're like, I don't know what they put stuff, how often they put stuff out and what they put out. If you join for free, you basically get alerts to see what we're doing, when we're doing it. And if you want to sign up for one of our Patreon tiers. So if you sign up and you get an alert that we're, we've got the poll going or we've got a live stream coming up and that's what makes you want to join, then you're free to join. Otherwise, it just kind of keeps you up to date on what we're doing. And from time to time, we'll figure out stuff to send to our uh, free subscribers as well. But it's just a really good way for you to keep up to date with what we're doing and see if you might want to listen to some of our bonus stuff you also have the fun perk of access to our discord server where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime share personal ghost stories or just post adorable pictures of your pets we hop on occasionally and we host monthly q a's on crowdcast where you can ask us all your burning questions this month's is may 24th at 8 p.m central it's this coming wednesday so join us 
And for our patrons not in the U.S., you have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of conversion fee. We also have annual memberships for all tiers. When you select this option, you will be rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit Sinisterhood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. And so many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. And if you want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit Sinisterhood.com and click shop on the top banner. And don't forget for the month of May, we're donating the proceeds from the sales in our online shop to the Victim First Fund for the Allen Outlet Mall shooting that happened Earlier this month, it is a nonprofit that does not take an admin fee and works 100% pro bono to ensure all the funds go directly to the victims. So you can head to our website where you can buy anything in the store and the proceeds will go to that fund or you can donate directly. You can support the show fast, easy, and at no cost to you by rating, reviewing, and following on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Speaking of reviews, you can easily leave one by going to SinisterHood.com slash reviews. Yours may even be featured on our social media. Have a friend who you think would like us? You can share any episode with them by clicking the three dots in the top right corner. You can also share topic-based playlists from Spotify by visiting SinisterHood.com slash playlist. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. We're also on YouTube where you can watch the full video version of our conversation with National Park After Dark, as well as TikTok, both at Sinisterhood Podcast. We're also on Cameo if you would like for us to send a personalized video shout out to someone you love. We can tell them happy birthday, happy anniversary, congratulations, happy graduation, school's yeah. out for summer, all that good stuff. Go to cameo.com. song if you want. <laughs> We'll do anything. We like got very creative on one of our cameos today. We're very excited. So the thing about a cameo is like the more you can give us, the more we can go off of and like we can incorporate props and whatnot. (laughs) But only if like there's sufficient. Several times. (laughs) I loved when you pulled the butter out. It was like so good. You're like, I got to get butter. Someone said that they were the butter to their bread, their love. And you're like, guess what he said? While I was doing it. And you had spray on butter. butter. (laughs) It was great. So yeah, the more information, the better. But yeah, if you go to cameo.com and search Sinisterhood, uh, we can do that customized video shout out. We even have a 24-hour delivery option as well. Christy, where are you at online? I am on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace. And really, that's all I do. And even then, very rarely. But Twitter (laughs) and TikTok are Christy or GTFO. But I feel like nobody wants to be on Twitter or admit no. they're on Twitter For anymore. Like, so literally. like, I don't even want to say that. And also, I can't even think of the last time I got on there. I felt, I mean, it's an interesting thing because we've been asking people like, what's your social media? And they'll be like, my Facebook is this and my TikTok is this. I have Twitter, but it's like awful and I don't go there. <laughs> yeah. and like, I mean, honestly, nobody we've went, had people yeah, several times lately. And so anyway, you can, follow, <laughs> you can follow me on just pretty much TikTok and Instagram. I do have a Twitter. Sometimes I'll like tweet weird stuff. I just need to find a new place to go send those thoughts into the universe. I'm told Tumblr's good, but for oh, now, there you go. Heather versus the world on Instagram. Just find me there. I just shout mine to whoever's closest. <laughs> Babe. <laughs> hey, I have you an idea. About, and he's you like, ever thought about? Yeah. He's like, this was way more than 120 characters. So, <laughs> well, as always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Sinner.